This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 56, about Gotham Rise of the Villains, episode 5, Scarification. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzean on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Oh man, I missed hearing that theme tune. So good to have have it back. So good to be back. That theme tune, of course, is by the wonderful Mississippi McDonald, who's done the theme tune for our podcast. It's brilliant to be back. Uh, welcome back, Gothamites. You are here with us for our first brand new episode of 2016 about Gotham Season 2, Episode 5, Scarification. Uh, we did say it last week at the start of our uh, repost of our podcast. Thanks for all of the new listeners who've joined us since we've been reposting our episodes as they aired in the UK and Ireland. But this is our first brand new podcast since last year. If you don't remember, I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, Gothamites. I am one of your other hosts, John, and this is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 56. Yes. Um, so we're well over half a century old, uh, <laughs> and it's fitting for this episode of Gotham, given it was a slight period piece in parts Yeah, here. it was, yeah. Slightly Jane Austen, moving into Sense and Sensibility. Um, so it was great to be back. Finally, um, we could come on board and, and watch... Gotham from episode 5 and yes we did not I repeat we did not uh, look at these episodes whilst we could have done mm-hmm. we certainly didn't and so we are also tweeting out live um, every Monday at 10pm uh, as we watch channel 5 uh, in the UK and in Ireland and watching Gotham as it comes back for season 2 in the UK and in Ireland. Yeah. And you can you can follow us and tweet along with us at Gotham TV Podcast on mm-hmm. Twitter. Again, anyone has any feedback, comments, thoughts, discussion on this season of Gotham so far, send in your feedback to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Yep, or uh, pop us on a DM over on Twitter if you follow us. Uh, we'll follow you back and just pop us on a DM with your uh, with your thoughts or questions about the episodes as they air. Uh, really, really delighted. It does kind of bring me to my first initial point to say thank you so much for all the people who've Absolutely. been keeping us going. Uh, our last episode aired in the UK, the last episode that we saw on Gotham on 5 that we hadn't seen before, uh, effectively was last June. So uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been at least able to catch up on the series so far. But this time, we're back with a brand new episode, and there's just a ton of people that I want to say a quick thanks to uh, for keeping Absolutely. us entertained. Uh, firstly, I want to say a huge thanks to Daniel Butcher and Natalie, who've both been sending us feedback about episodes and having great discussions with us while we've been off air. They've been sending us emails, uh, particularly Natalie. Thanks very much for your discussions about Supergirl. Uh, great fun to talk to you about the ratings for that show and about, uh, about everything going on in the other parts of the DC universe. Absolutely. Yeah, and just a big shout out to all of our friends now over on uh, over on Twitter, uh, friends like Don, Anna, Anne-Marie De Simone, and Bill, Bill Meeks of the Legends of Gotham. We had to turn them down twice on doing crossover podcasts with them this year because we weren't caught up in the episodes and we didn't want to be spoiled. Yeah, yeah. I uh, also mm. want to give a huge shout out to Mike Pierce as well for Ben Rush, obviously Gotham on Five, to Mrs. Van Damme, Morgan Scorpion, Ricky Valles, who we got to meet at New York Comic Con and has been uh, following us and chatting to us ever since. Been great fun. Uh, Media Shock UK, to Maya, and obviously the Gotham Addicts, who've always been there for us and have done a couple of crossover episodes. Absolutely. With us. Thank yeah. you, Addicts. Uh, you rock. As well as everyone else, obviously. Yeah. Uh, really nice to, to be tweeting along with you. And it's great to get the feedback in. Really enjoyed it. And um, it's been, it's been good fun, even though we've been off air, so to speak, as Gotham uh, has only just returned to the UK and Ireland. Yeah. And one final shout out. I know we've forgotten some of our. Some of our friends on Twitter who've been uh, helping us through this time, but one final shout out to Tom Calderon, uh, who plays Cop Joe on uh, on Gotham and has been really keeping up our spirits all the way throughout the winter and uh, helping us get through. <laughs> been great. Thank you so much. We are now part of the Flickering Myth podcast network, which means you can pick up our episodes over on flickeringmyth.com as they get released. We'll pop them up on there. You can leave comments over there as well, which is great. Uh, brings us a whole new audience. Really good. And thanks very much to the guys over in Flickering Myth. Absolutely. Thank um, you, guys. 
If you don't want to subscribe through there, if you don't want to see our posts on there, you can, of course, subscribe to the podcast by going to gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes for our iTunes feed or picking us up on any other good podcast catcher. If you're more of a Google person or a, a Windows person, you can pick us up in uh, Beyond Pod, Podcast Addict. You can also get us on Stitcher. Just make sure you search Gotham TV Podcast to pick up all our episodes. Yeah, subscribe, leave a review if you can. It helps... Uh other people find the show and join us in celebrating and discussing and commenting and having some great fun about all things Gotham. Absolutely. And some great artwork that we've seen over the last couple of oh, months. Big as time. Well. Superb artwork. Brilliant stuff. So the heating's on, the curtains are closed, the adult beverages are open. We are ready to talk about Gotham. Episode 5 of Season 2, Scarification, interestingly named episode. This episode was directed by Bill Eagles and written by Jordan Harper, who wrote the second last episode of Season 1 of Gotham called The Anvil or the Hammer. You remember that one with uh, the ogre, the big, big time. final ogre episode. A brilliant, brilliant episode. Yeah. Yeah, really good. So let's see what he gave us in this episode. John, do you want to give us your synopsis? Absolutely. As the GCPD Unit Alpha go after Penguin and his money, Penguin, still blackmailed by Theo Galavan, is sent running around Gotham under Galavan's orders, as he is tasked with setting fire to a series of high-profile buildings in Gotham. These are all linked by a single landlord, Wayne Enterprises. However, as the fires burn brighter, it shines a light on Galavan's true motives, the destruction of House Wayne. As he looks to avenge a 200-year blood feud between the Galavans, once known as the Dumas, and the Waynes. As the fires burn even brighter, a new villain emerges, like a phoenix from the flames, to cause havoc across Gotham. I was really excited and really looking forward to this episode, I must say, because this is, this is the one that has Firefly, another Gotham villain. Uh, this time, uh, gender-swapped as a female uh, villain, so getting to see the creation of a brand new villain in the uh, Gotham universe is uh, always an exciting moment for uh, for this show. And obviously, having as long as a break we've uh, as we've had uh, makes me even more excited for an episode. But I didn't expect to get as many connections to the comic books and to the Batman books that we got in this episode. Really exciting. Yeah, big time, big time. It was really, it was a nice re-entry for me actually because I needed warming up to to get into it again, and, yeah. and this really did oh, warming um, up. Very good. Yeah. Time. Exactly. Um, I really enjoyed it. I loved um, the whole Firefly aspect. I loved the whole sort of historical look at Gotham uh, back, you know, in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved seeing the old faves like Penguin and Butch. Um, really, really good. Um, and seeing Captain Nathaniel Barnes um, really start to get into and rock into um, his role as the captain of the GCPD. Absolutely. I really loved the Merc scene um, in, mm-hmm. in, in the, the shopping centre for everything that will kill and maim you. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed uh, sort of his reaction as uh, one of the Pike brothers blows up. Oh, yeah, like, really, really good. Loved it. <laughs> absolutely. Well, listeners, if you're joining us for the first time after our reposts, uh, let's tell you how we do our episodes. We cover our episodes with choosing our top five points about the episode, some good, some bad. Uh, hopefully between the two of us, we'll cover everything about the episode. Uh, we also try and pick out a Batman 66 moment, uh, possibly a Nolan Batman moment, maybe an animated series moment, or even a Tim Burton Batman moment. There's a couple to choose from in this episode as a spoiler, uh, I think, for for my points. But John, do you want to kick us off with your first point? I do. I am going to have to just go straight in there with the birth of Firefly. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that Bridget, this timid character, essentially bullied by her stepbrothers mm-hmm. who are really holding this over that, um, you know, her mother was a whore, that there was a, you know, she can basically choose whether she's part of the family or not. And if you, if you're not, you're, you're kind of, you're on your own. And if you are, it's just going to be hell anyway, because they're, they're such douchebags, really. Absolutely. Um, and I love the fact that she's the, she has that connection with Selena, which is interesting. And it'll be good to see how that plays out moving forward. But yeah. I really liked, uh, just how she was building the the costume it's just a little really cool um i like the fact that she 
was essentially afraid of flames and fire. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that it became the thrill ride. Um, you know, she was being played with and teased with by, um, her, her older stepbrother. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it kind of ignited something. Sorry, I'm just not going to be able to help the puns, but <laughs> it ignited that. something in her that, you know, she liked the adrenaline rush. She liked that, that whole kind of feeling. And so I really liked this. And, and ultimately she's, ends up being a cop killer by mm-hmm. by the end of the episode. Um but that was just such a cool scene where they get surrounded, you know, her cowardly brothers uh drive off, le- leave her alone, leave and her for co- for the cops, you know. And very quickly as well. They just literally just pedal to the metal off they go. Yeah. And, and she's there sort of spraying the flames, so that was excellent kind of scene really. And then obviously then, you know, Firefly kills cop Luke Garrett yeah. um, you know he eventually dies but I, I love the way she just um, swirls the flame around his feet kind of almost like a bonfire so it was really cool yeah it was a really well put together scene as well it was obviously one of my points sometimes our points do cross over again if you're first time listening to us um, but I loved the scene as it was playing out, as he's attacking her, trying to get the the weapon off her, and you can see the the uh, you can see the gasoline drip out of the back of of the flamethrower essentially, and it starts to set him alight, set him alight very quickly. I love the scene, and I suppose the way I looked at this particular point was it was like as if it was the Cinderella story, but with flames. And um, you know, maybe if Cinderella had a friend like Catarin to encourage them to take on uh, take on their brothers um, or take on the ugly stepsisters eff- effectively. Uh, Perhaps she would have turned into this type of character, you know. Uh, I love seeing the power come into Michelle Ventimiglia. I think she's really done a really good role. I think she's perfectly cast. She's uh, beautiful, timid, very much like a Disney princess almost, you Definitely. know. Definitely. Um, but then suddenly becomes the really powerful woman. I love that she's building her suit. That's something we don't get to see in the show very often, where they're actually developing into this character. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's just a, it's just really well done. I really, really, really enjoyed the character, and really excited to know that this is the. Uh, first part of a two-part episode so we'll see firefly back next week as well which is cool and i mean i'm hoping that we get to see her become even more dangerous like she's enjoying the adrenaline she's enjoying the thrill of all of this um so i'm hoping to see her even more dangerous like sort of starting to get corrupted by 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 the thrill and, and the power that she's getting from this interesting as well that we do know um that Victor Von Fries is going to be around. That's right. And will we see him building his suit? Are we going to have some kind of, you know, ice and fire kind of Game of Thrones element where she is still around? I know this is a two-parter. I don't know whether she is going to be killed off or whether she's going to be put into Arkham or Mm. what will happen to her at the end of this two-parter. I hope she hangs around and I hope that you have kind of that fire and ice storyline that could result from the fact of Victor Freeze uh, coming into the show uh, in the second half of, of the season two. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of your favourite characters in the Firefly and uh, and actually Freeze, two, yeah, two of your absolutely. favourite characters. Yeah, so I really can't wait for, for this. Quite cool. And end of the day, if she gets into Arkham, she will just come out the revolving door pretty quickly uh, anyway. So absolutely. We've, we've seen that yeah. pretty a lot in this, in this show. Uh, the least secure prison in the world, uh, as I say. So Derek, what's your first point? Uh, that was kind of my first point, but I'll jump into my second point. Uh, Jessica Lucas as Tapa the Galavan in this episode just made me laugh. I adore her, especially one particular scene where she's talking to uh, talking to Penguin. Just her turn of phrase with him is just great. She says, poor, sad little breadhead. It took me a minute to catch what she was talking <laughs> about, but essentially he's a bird, obviously yeah. he eats bread. Uh, and then goes, <laughs> whoa, chill, bird man, when he starts to freak out. I love it. I love how confident the character is and how crazy she is. Um, even even Theo, her, her brother, who knows her intimately, essentially calls out early on in the episode, I'm running for mayor, which means I need you to take over the business and I need to know that you can handle it. And she goes, oh, I'm bored. He's like, oh, um, I don't know whether I can take it. You'd say you're bored. You have loads to do. She, she's just so playful, fun, confident and crazy. And I think, again, another brilliant piece of casting with Jessica Lucas. I'm sure we mentioned in our first four episodes, but I think this episode felt like a, a much bigger episode for her. She seemed to have a lot more to do. She wasn't a sidekick. She was out on her own doing a lot more this episode. I really, really enjoyed. You have hit my second point really? on the head as well. Um, 
I actually, exactly like you've said that I thought Tabitha, this episode in particular, was where I got a sense of her. Mm-hmm. For the first time, um, I got a sense of who this character was. You know, we've seen her being the sniper on top of the roof. Yep. We've seen her being... Um, Jerome's uh, lackey and, and helping him do what uh, Theo has asked him, sort of babysitting him, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen her um, schmoozing up. up at, yeah, well, we've seen her schmoozing up to, to Barbara. Yeah. We've seen her, yeah, uh, playing around uh, with, uh, with the Mer. She is definitely the cat. You know, she likes to play with toys. And here, you know, you've got Mer, James Aubrey being one of her toys, you know, the head in the box. And I think in this episode, you know, we saw her violence, which she loves, mm-hmm. to Bundeslaw and, and extracting the eye. Oh, absolutely. Um, we see her boredom, as you've mentioned, and also just her general kind of lazy disdain for uh, anything any person or anybody that you could conceivably say is actually a threat to her. It like penguin probably is really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to me, that whole scene in penguins, big sort of uh, throne room, if you want, um, was just absolutely great. Um, and to me, it was just, it was the cat and the bird. Yeah. Um, it was Tweety Pie, with Tweety Pie and Sylvester. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely, uh, loved it. I thought it was really good. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this is, brings me on to my first, I think, Batman 66 moment of this. She is giving off such an Eartha Kitt Catwoman vibe for me. She's really playful. She's really like Eartha Kitt. She really got that vibe about it. You know, if you were to recast Catwoman and you were, you were, you know, jumping ahead a couple of years and Cameron Beacon Dover wasn't going to be able to play the part, I, I hope that never happens, obviously. Um, but you would choose someone like Jessica Lucas. You would choose her to play that part of, you know, the sexy, sultry uh, Catwoman from the comics, effectively, you know. Um, and that's probably part of the reason. I presume she's going to eventually mentor uh, Selena Kyle a bit. You know, there's, she's definitely got that style about her, that Catwoman style. She has a tail, as we talked about in one of our previous episodes. She's got the whip, which is one of Catwoman's well-known weapons. That's quite difficult to say, three Ws. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? She had that real vibe about it. So that's my first little Batman 66 moment. John, do you want to take us on to our next point? I do. It is the the knives in this show. We have Butch... On the chopping block, we have this um, almost religious-looking, iconic um, 18th century uh, knife with the Wayne crest uh, embedded into the handle, mm-hmm. top of the handle. And we also have, um, whilst it's not a knife, it looked pretty sharp, uh, Penguin uh, bludgeoning uh, the messenger that comes with the bad news that all this money has been uh, stolen. Of which, again, I think the, the next Batman 66 moment for me as well, whilst we're here, is twofold. That money laundering scene where they're all in their vests, their white vests <laughs> and their white undies was hilarious. Oh, I can God. understand why they were in that now, but I think, you know, I did say, why are they not wearing their clothes? But it's so they don't steal any of the money. Exactly. So they don't um, strap it onto themselves. It can be but, seen too easily. Yeah. Absolutely. But the fact that that was shown seemed to me like an absolute Batman 66 yeah. moment, which was then quickly followed by the um bazooka being pulled <laughs> and talk about using a you know a massive sledgehammer to crack a nut and the, the 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 bazooka being pulled to stop the police which would have just blown everything to to kingdom come oh it's brilliant absolutely uh hilarious i really just thought it was so funny uh-huh. um, especially followed up with our bullockism of the week, which was "Welcome <laughs> to Gotham, Captain." Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Uh, I love Barnes's just incredulity of the fact that they've taken out a, a rocket launcher, and obviously, as we know, this is Gotham. And of course, that then leads on to the Merc Superstore, mm-hmm. which, quite frankly, is again something straight out of Batman sixty six for me. Where it's the supermarket, it's the hypermarket that is there. 
but for your napalm, your bombs, your your knives, and I love over the tannoy, it's coming your one-stop shop for machetes, napalm, and, and all the other uh, stuff. Yes, all your personal defense needs. Yes, <laughs> you know, bottles of acid, like, absolutely, like, really good. Brilliant. Absolutely love that. Really slapstick in that sense. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely. And the owner saying that it costs $300 and then sees the notes and says, uh, it's 10% extra for dirty <laughs> notes as he sees the blood covered uh, notes being given to him. Really good. Really no, good exactly. Notes. But, uh, you know, for me, you have here, uh, like Butch. I mean, that was shocking. You know, having his, his hand chopped off by Penguin with mm. a machete. I love the fact that Penguin is planning. You know, he goes, I've sold them. I, the Galavans. I've sold them my paranoia. He's, um, he's asked, uh, Ed Ouija to, um, to tell the history. And that's where we get this historical story yeah. about the Waynes and the Jamals, which is one of my other points, which I'll come into uh, later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you see him now sacrificing, I think, you know, Butcher's left hand, um, so that he really sells it to Galifan that, you know, this basic play of infiltrating into his hierarchy isn't sniffed out by, by him or Tabitha. Yeah. So, um, now I think Galavan's pretty, um, clever. And I think even with the handoff, he might still keep a sharp eye on, on Butch Gilsey. And, yes, who um, wouldn't? Absolutely. Yeah. But, we, you know, we, this was really, um, I was like, oh my God, he just did that. What the hell? So like, that was a big moment. And I want to say the knife, the knife and the blood feud, uh, which I'll come on to in one of my other points. But again, I I love these, um, these different points with, with this violence in, uh, in Gotham for this, this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really, really good point. And it does kind of lead in quite well with my, (laughs) my next point, which is, Butch Gilzine and Selena Kyle, um, yeah. loved that they get a little bit of time together. You know, we've, we've seen that she worked for Penguin. We saw that she worked for Fish. So we know they've had a lot of contact, but it's great how naturally these two characters work together. Uh, really good to see them both on screen. We love Butch Gilzine. You know, we obviously interviewed Drew Powell a couple of months ago. Uh, lovely, lovely guy and has, we know there's loads to happen for him in this season. He's got, he's become a season regular. We know he's got some great storylines coming up this year. Uh, but all we've really seen of him for the first four episodes is pretty much standing in the background, uh, in Penguin's house. Kind of shrugging the head every time he gets an order from uh, from Oswald, but now we kind of see another side to him where he's able to go out and carry out a mission for for Oswald. We know that the power that Oswald has over him is obviously taken because he's he's not screaming about being uh, being under the influence of Oswald at all or anything like that. Um, but the interplay between these two characters, where he's cha- he's t- chatting to. Selena and asking her to help him out. She goes, I'll do it for $600. And he goes, 350 And she takes it. Um, then he says, you know, well, you have to pretend like you're my friend. And she goes, well, that's another $100. Uh, really good little interplay between the two of them. And then there's the constant mention in these scenes of the wonderful Fish Mooney, of the possible, what we know now, if you heard well, our last exactly. episode, what we know now, the definite return of Fish Mooney to Gotham. And um, this all happens within the scene. It really led me to know that the shock that's going to happen with Butch Gilzine when he comes face to face with his former love, his former best friend is going to be something to be seen. Um, he's, they're building up this character of Butch. He's seriously going to become quite a central character. I think this season, uh, just lost, a, just lost a hand. You don't do that to a character if they're going to just walk off screen next week. He's now going to be working for Galavan. So there's going to be quite a big, relationship with them so i hope we're going to see tons more of this character throughout the season and seeing these scenes where he's out with completely different characters in the city like the pikes um really really made me even more interested in the character and see more of him yeah the, the scene with the pikes was really good i loved the, the tension again i should say going back to fish mooney and um, that they are fish mooney loyalists he obviously was but we do see that he is still under this kind of mind control of Penguin, where mm-hmm. Penguin is telling him to keep drinking yeah. uh, just before he chops off his hand. So, you know, Penguin, I suppose, was... Anesthetizing him? Yeah, at least he was kind of had a bit of 
presence of mind just to like get him slightly drunk so that he didn't feel it as much. But it seemed like he felt that chop, um, definitely. Definitely. Uh, but no, I, I love the interaction between Butch and Selena. I love that she called him me and my pet gorilla uh, as they came in uh, to the Pikes uh, apartment. I loved as well uh, another cat link here that Tabitha, when when he's there with Penguin in Theo's apartment, mm-hmm. penthouse. Yeah, uh, she goes. You know how I like big macho types. Oh, you know? that's great. So if he's suddenly going to be infiltrating in to uh, the the Galavan organization, is there going to be a little bit of uh, Kitty on Gorilla action? <laughs> you know, a bit of Tabitha and Butch uh, going on. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how that works. Whether that sort of little uh, cheekiness between the two of them will will, will keep going, but. Uh, uh, yeah. To bring in my own bullockism, I'm Gotham. It's just a city full of animals, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'd love to, love to, always love seeing Drew Pell in the show. Really good that he's gotten, gotten some, uh, some great stuff this episode. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing much more. I love that scene with Jessica Lucas. Again, t- really playful, really sexy. I love that Theo Gallivan calls it out and goes, you're doing it again. You're scaring the help. Nice little touch. <laughs> you know? uh, John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, definitely. It is the historical period piece. Of course. You know, Gotham goes 18th century. Mm-hmm. I thought it was unexpected, so I kind of liked it. But actually, I loved this. I loved this backstory. I love that Galavan has kind of moved out of the shadows. You know, you were kind of wondering, what is he doing here? Um, I love now that his motives are starting to be clarified mm-hmm. in, in the show. And... This, this very much reminded me kind of Court of Owls where, you know, you go back into sort of a time in Gotham, you know, before Thomas and Martha Wayne, before Batman. Yeah. And see that all this uh, mythology comes out from the, the past and the history. And the big families of Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I thought when Edwige was, um, I love that name. But I know. I thought it was a bloke. I was <laughs> like, Luigi. Um, I <laughs> love the snitch on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I love that um, when she was explaining the the story, she you know she recognized the knife. I love the fact uh, that Bundeslaw as well was described uh, as the the man who disposed of um, the Wayne garbage, mm. and that Galavan says you're going to dish all the dirt that you have, you know, and that that's what the eye is for, is to get into the safe where there is this knife, and that this knife then leads to this lovely little story about how there is this blood feud between the Waynes and the Dumas, who Mm -hmm. become the Galavans, because of Celestine Wayne uh, being coveted uh, uh, by Caleb Dumas, and that you have these they're caught in some kind of embrace, in some kind of compromising position yeah. where Caleb is saying that they love one another, whereas Celestine is saying that she doesn't and that he was forcing himself upon her. Mm. Um, and it, it's that then the Waynes essentially destroy the Dumas. They not only destroy the, the name, they destroy um, any reference to them in the history and the buildings uh, and the lane and avenue names of, of Gotham, and that they're essentially banished. Yeah. You know that they can no longer live in, in in Gotham, and that this the Dumas then change their name and to Galavan. And I love this. I think this is really good. I like obviously from the other five families, the five big families in Gotham. Oh yes. You know we hear there's the Elliots, mm-hmm. there's Tommy Elliot, there's the Canes. Uh, so that's Barbara Kane. And then, yeah, we- I was wondering about that because she has Barbara Keane in the show, yeah. but, but we know that there is, uh, there's a slight possible mispronunciation there potentially. But yeah, it, I would, I would think considering the Keens and the Wayne set up uh, Arkham Asylum in the show, uh, I presume this is supposed to be the Keens, supposed to be Barbara's ancestors. Yeah, because as well, the Keynes with Martha set up Arkham Asylum. Yeah. There's all that story, I think, from Batman Earth One, but of course it's also then introduced in season one of Gotham. Yeah. Um but then you also have the the Crowns, who I don't know yeah. uh I've not heard of them before. There's the Dumas, obviously, who are then the Galavans here and then the Waynes. So I don't know if anyone knows um 
the crowns and who mm. they may be. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. We know one of them, I think. Someone's the king of Gotham. <laughs> Are the crowns just the cobblepots? Or the cobblepots? Or maybe. <laughs> He's the king of Gotham. He's got the crown, you know? Who have really fallen from Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was fascinated by this. And obviously, you hear a list of names on Gotham and you suddenly get all the connections from the comic books jumping out. Fantastic stuff. And it makes it gives me huge hope that we're going to actually see Tommy Elliot come back. There's connections between the Waynes and the Elliots here is what they're saying, that they were the central family of the city for years. So hopefully we'll see a bit of Tommy, Tommy Elliot coming back. Later on this season or maybe so. next season. I really hope know? so. And what do these other families play in the role of banishing the Galavans? I mean, mm. is it simply the Waynes? Or are the Waynes so powerful um, that the others will never challenge them? Yeah. Which I, that's the way I kind of feel that it is here, is that the Waynes have always been top dog, have always been this uh, powerful family mm-hmm. that is so powerful that they are beyond challenge. Yeah. And yeah. here we now have... Um, Theo Galavan and obviously right at the end we see that the, sh- the knife is still very much sharp Absolutely. Uh, we see then this religious brother coming in brother Creel and uh, I mean it's almost biblical what he's saying you know our followers our brothers are in the boat sailing over it, it almost feels like the pilgrimage to, to america I, I thought it was really cool um, yeah. i must say i really like this and the fact that bruce wayne is really in deep trouble mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yeah he could become the wayne sacrifice for the galavans yeah yeah exactly yeah so this was superb i absolutely loved it yeah um and I could just see endless possibilities um, here as to how this can go. And I, I love the fact that they're dipping their toe back into the, you know, the far past, uh, the far mm-hmm. distant past of Gotham and, and all these complex feuds and uh, between different players in Gotham yeah. and how that's manifesting itself now in modern day Gotham. Love it. Really cool idea. Yep. And I've kind of got a similar point uh, about the whole Dumas situation, which I loved because it got me really excited. The Court of Elves is one of those great stories and those great comic books recently that's brought up the history of uh, of Gotham and the main families that were involved and this kind of the people that are puppeteering Gotham from the back end and behind yeah, the scenes, yeah. essentially, which I loved. But what I do love in here is the Order of St. Dumas, also from the comic books. Effectively, they are the ones that created uh, some champions who will fight their cause. It seems like Theo Galavan is one of the champions that fought their cause in the comics, in the computer games like Arkham. Uh, <laughs> um, one of those champions is Azrael. So big question after watching this episode, is Theo Galavan Azrael the possible uh, champion of the Order of St. Dumas who will eventually try and take uh, the mantle of Batman to become the protector of Gotham? Um, Galavan seems to feel like he owns the city, that the city belongs to him. He's trying to become mayor of the city at the moment. Seems like he's try- trying to take back the streets of Gotham from the power of the Waynes. So this is a lovely, lovely nod to the comic books that he could potentially be maybe not a costumed vigilante in this, in the, the way that Azrael in the comic books is, but maybe he is trying to take back the streets of this, of the city from, from Batman, essentially from Wayne Enterprises, which I really like. I love that touch. It doesn't have to go the full, at uh, the full uh, path of him dressing up in the crusade outfit with the mask and looking like Azrael in the comic books, but effectively he is doing exactly the same job. Absolutely. And I think it also leads to a larger question of, are the Dumas then behind Thomas and Martha Wayne's murder? Mm. Like, are we really talking that, you know, this is a blood feud? So it's the way they reference Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. It was like as though he's on his own now. This is a kid with his butler his parents aren't there any longer. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting. Does this link in with the, the bat cave? What's happening here? Yeah. You know, it is, uh, Thomas's computer going to have something to do with the Galifans and the Dumas? Yeah. That he is not only dealing maybe with corruption in Wayne Enterprises, but is he also, um, sort of 
dealing with these threats from this banished family because he knows that they're real. So that would be interesting. But I do, I think it adds to the larger question. Have the Dumas, has this always been the plan? Get rid of his parents, sacrifice Bruce, um, and claim Gotham back for the Dumas family. Yeah. And avenge their fall from grace and banishment from Gotham by the Wayne. So, like, I love this. And part of me actually wants them to be responsible for Thomas and Martha. Yeah. I know it could be the Red Hood or, or whatever, but I actually like the fact that it could be this distant, long-standing feud. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Wouldn't it be great? It would be a great touch. And uh, as we spoke about in season one, there's no mystery that Bruce will eventually find out who killed his parents because the whole point is that the the futility of eventually finding out the one thing that's been crushing your soul effectively. You know, it's uh, it's not a problem if the character finds out who kills his parents. I think some some viewers or some of the people that we talk to on Facebook and some of the some of our listeners um who may not be following the comics there was never any question that that Bruce would find out who killed his parents. It's changed a lot. There's been many different people who've killed them over the times when the story has been retconned or, uh, as they call it in comic books, when it's been rewritten. Um, there's been no doubt that Bruce will find out who kills his parents. So I'm kind of hopeful, actually, that that particular mystery will be solved or will have some form of resolution to it within the rest of the season. So it is possible that, that Galavan's been involved, at the very least. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So, John, do you want to give us your final point? I do. It is that when cheese is melted, the protein structures uh, relax and you have a fondue. <laughs> and because do you fondue, John? I do fondue. Um, and because of the low friction, you get that sensation of melted cheese in, in the mouth. <laughs> and to be honest, I'm maintaining a cool about that, a bit like Ed Nigma. Oh, my gosh. I really, really... Uh, Love this, and I am completely with um, Leslie Tompkins. There is most definitely a lid for every pot. Um, this was <laughs> this was really an, a nice little kind of interjection within this episode. Mm-hmm. First of all, when he asked Leslie and Jim uh, whether they wanted to go and have a meal together, and you get the contrasting "No, we don't. We're busy." Yes, that would be lovely. Um, to Jim being late coming back and Christine Kringle and Ed are kind of being all very newly oh, in love. Dovey. Yeah, lovey dovey. Uh, Ed feeding her some cheese. Mm-hmm. I think we've all been in that situation where either we're the couple that's a brand new couple and you're just snogging or kissing in front of everybody or all your friends or you have to watch it and it's awkward for everybody really. <laughs> and it really fantastically played that I love. During the live tweet the other night, I think it was Morgan Scorpion who was saying uh, that this episode is a real standout for Gotham because Ed actually looks like the most normal person in Gotham. Uh, he looks totally normal here. He's just an awkward person in love, yeah. essentially, you know. Uh, really liked the scene. Definitely. But it was really good. And of course, as with our listeners, or well, maybe not, the less you have, the more they're worth oh. uh, to friends, uh, you know. It was, it, that was a really nice little toast. I really, really, um, enjoyed just the, these two little Enigma scenes uh, and interjections. It was, it was just a nice little touch. And yeah, I really loved the scene, I must say. And it was kind of my last point. There's, there's some other stuff that went on, which I'll probably talk about in my notes, but, uh, but. I also love that we have a lot of interplay here between Jim Gordon and Leslie Tompkins in their home. Uh, I love the whole setup of it where, you know, Ed kind of goes to them and says, basically, you're my only friend, Jim. Can I come and have dinner with you? Uh, Jim says no. Tompkins says yes. Uh, brilliant little moment, you know. She's a really caring person. She sees the love between Ed and Christine Kringle. That's really good. Jim just does not want the complication of having to have Ed in his home. I love the, uh, <laughs> I love the simple, uh, simple kind of put down to the idea. But we're at home, which means we can't run away. <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. That was really, really good. good. I love the interplay between the two. And obviously, outside the show, outside the TV show, these two are dating. And you can kind of tell now. Uh, they seemed quite awkward. I think we talked about in season one. They seemed a little bit awkward because he was coming off the back of 
acting alongside Barbara Keane, who was going a bit mental and then fell into the arms of Leslie Tompkins. Um, you can kind of see now that the two of them must be dating in real life. There's so much more chemistry between oh, the two song. of them, isn't there? Yeah. You know, it doesn't bode well for the comic book version of Jim Gordon, who eventually gets married to a person called Barbara Keane. Maybe Leslie Tompkins changes her name or something. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I, I really like these two on screen together. I think they have so much chemistry and it's been really, really good and really fun, particularly in this episode to see. Uh, she's so caring and so nurturing of Jim. She has that great moment of, uh, of saying to him, you know, you're getting so much respect in the city. The mayor is asking you to endorse him and, you could take this on board and you could use it. You could actually see this as a point of pride for yourself. And make you happy. Yeah, you could yeah. actually make yourself happy here. But you're choosing to go, oh, but I don't want to be someone that endorses candidates, you know, uh, which I love. Because eventually he's going to become commissioner. That will be one of the central roles that he has is to endorse candidates and endorse people around him. So I think that's and really And he does ask uh, and does and will give Galavan endorsement as well. Absolutely. You know, the I mean, Jim is making deals with devils all over Gotham. He's got it with Penguin, um, and now he's doing it with with Galavan. Yeah. Um, basically saying that, you know, with the new breed of villains, we need all the resources here, not just firearms, but we need to be able to get whatever we need. And that requires a strong mer who is going to give it to us and not hold back. And Galavan is like, yeah. And I love... I love uh, James Frayne's cheeky little grin as he realizes that he has hook, line, and sinkered Jim Gordon uh, yep. into an endorsement here. Like oh, a, really, a nice a little sly, sly little grin as he leaves the GCPD. Really good. Really yeah, he's good. such a politician. We're about to go into a general election in Ireland in a couple of weeks' time, and I'm expecting to see... Quite a few people that look and sound like Jim Gallivan standing up on screen over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> really good. If only it was that um, dramatic. He's kind of similar to Trump, though, isn't he? No. No, I don't think so. I mean, Trump is Trump, and we will um, and see what happens there. <laughs> anyway, um, we but, can't vote in that election. No. But I think that about does it for our five points for this episode. Uh, John, do you have any notes that didn't fit into the five points? Any little touches? Um, I think it was more a point that I forgot to include in one of my points, but I did absolutely love the transition from uh, Butch's hand being chopped off to Bullock and uh, Jim in the stakeout <laughs> car, where Bullock kind of is like sniffing the air going, ooh, smells like onions. Mm-hmm. Um, I just assumed that... <laughs> A chopped off hand smells like onions as they're in the car. And he goes on to say, you know, half of good police work is sitting on your ass. Uh, <laughs> eating, yeah. um, you know, good onions and a hot dog. And yeah, really good. I just loved that transition because it felt as though... Um, it was all to do with Butch's uh, hand being chopped off. Really. Absolutely. And that's also a reference back to earlier on in the episode, which I loved, where Harvey says, oh, I guess we're going on a stakeout. I'm getting the donuts. And Jim tells him, do not get a chili dog. <laughs> and I love that he's sitting in the car sniffing the chili dog, which yeah, is a exactly. great little touch. Harry, Harry Bullock, he's just been great. And as always, yeah, really, really good little moment. So, Derek, have you got any notes? Uh, a couple of little, little touches throughout this episode that I loved. Um, the opening of the episode, episode as Bundeslaw's eye is removed by Tabitha Galavan. Um, just one great moment from James Frain. It's just his eye his eye and his face acting where he's watching the surgical procedure happening in front of him. It's fantastic acting. James Frain is brilliant. Just a bit of face acting just to go, yeah. ooh, oh, 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 God. I didn't realize she was <laughs> going to do that. Brilliant. Really, really good. Uh, and also a huge call out for Leo Fitzpatrick, who plays uh, the senior Pike brother. Big time. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's well known from the movie Kids, which was also the starting point for New York actors. Actress Rosario Dawson, who we've been covering over on Defenders TV podcast in both Jessica Jones and uh, Daredevil. So nice little connection between those two characters. And he's also even better known to fans of TV shows. From as, The Wire. From The Wire, yeah. yeah with yeah. Bubba. Absolutely, yeah. He was, he was great in that show. Lovely to see him here. Uh, and I think he plays a great a great part, a really sleazy older brother. Yeah, uh, big time. Yeah. And I reckon he's probably going to be dead in the next episode. <laughs> really? Yeah, because he he's left her. Yeah, she's like now really cheesed off with him. She's gonna toast him. <laughs> she's, she's gonna fondue him. Aye, interesting. Yeah, I just saw the two of them drive off into the sunset. I'm not too sure whether we're gonna see them back next week, but uh, but yes, the cool part about this is 
next week there is part two of this great little arc. Uh, this is quite similar to what, the way that it uh, introduced Scarecrow last season, but at least this time we see the development and creation of the characters. So that's that's uh, that's quite cool. We see we see a character put on the supervillain outfit, become the villain, take on uh, take on the power. It was quite cool. I think that's everything about this episode, John. Overall, did you enjoy this episode? I really liked it, actually. Um, it was good to be back in the world of Gotham. Absolutely. It, it's crazy, it's nuts, it's gothic, it's dark. Um, I really enjoyed seeing uh, Firefly come to life. I loved the fact that Galavan's motives uh, are now up front uh, and it's personal. Um it was great to see Tabitha get a, a more screen time and to get a feel of her character more. It was really, really, really good. And I can't wait to, to see the second part of this two-parter, really. Yeah. For me, I would definitely give this four Merc stores out of five. <laughs> um, you know, it was explosive. It was great to see Firefly. Um, it was great to see all of these different elements come together. And it was really nice to see Galavan's motives. I mean, for me, that is the big thing here in this episode. Absolutely. Is Galavan uh, shows his cards to the audience, at least. And of all the characters in Gotham, the one with the most between uh, the ears, Oswald Cobblepot, is also onto him. And mm-hmm. I, the thing is... It, it's just the way Oswald looks for that weakness. This is emotional to him, therefore it's a weakness I can get out of him. Uh, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how that pans out. You know, yeah. Penguin has got his entry point now to bringing down Galavan. Yeah. I hope it's not quick because I'm really enjoying Theo Galavan as a character, but this was like excellent. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see uh, what, uh, Selena and her pet gorilla do next week. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I loved the little touch at the beginning of the episode as well. I forgot to mention it in our points, but I loved the little touch with uh, Theo Galavan calling Oswald Colpot old friend. And Oswald goes, oh, we're friends, are we? Oh, it's just a, 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 turn, a, of just phrase. a turn of yeah. phrase. Lovely You're my tool. Touch. Yeah, lovely yeah. touch. I don't uh, I don't rate episodes, as you know, which just basically means I say that and then race one every four or five episodes. Um, yeah, so, sometimes you do. Sometimes yeah. you break that. Yeah. If, if I was to rate this episode, I would probably give it four burning eyeballs out of five. Uh, as well, so I think we're we're about the same level. This is one of the best episodes, really, so far this season. I was I was kind of hopeful that this episode was going to be really good because it was introducing quite a big character in the comic yeah, books, absolutely, um, quite a well known character, definitely. And they did it really well. Didn't I they? mean, I loved the introduction yeah. of of Bridget yeah. and just that that timidness uh, turning into a a fiery adrenaline filled murderer cop murderer mm-hmm. i think she's still going to be kind of scourge in in the next episode i i really can't wait to see the development yeah. of her into a more dangerous character absolutely and and as for the gender swapping really doesn't matter no, uh, not she's at all. she's done a, a really good job as the character i don't think it really matters whether firefly is male or female i really like the idea this is a good character and there's a really good setup and a really good origin absolutely. story absolutely yeah. i think with that um, we can move on to feedback so the adult drinks have been refreshed we are sitting down in front of the fireside uh, of oswald's hideout time to hear from the listeners hello listeners hello listeners our first piece of feedback came in from paul edwards over on twitter he says question for the podcast how do you think the relationship between captain barnes and gordon will develop my thoughts are that he will make the gcpd into more of an effective force to deal with what they're up against but there is only so long those tactics can work and Jim will take some of this with him through his career, if legitimate. But I've got a thought that he's working his way in gain the trust of the department and he's corrupt, perhaps linked with Theo Galavan. I thought that was um, a really, really good point. Thanks, Paul, uh, for that uh, direct message on Twitter. Um, I think the idea that Captain Barnes, who is kind of, you know, he's Ten Hut, he, is, um, he seems to be fairly... <laughs> Uh, straight down the line kind of guy, you know, from right, from wrong, that actually behind that front, there is a more complex, uh, more devious character who is in cahoots with, with the Galavans. I, I think that would be a really great little twist on that character that he, he's not just this kind of simple soldier from 
the you know or jarhead that we're led to believe yeah. that actually he's a plant um in the GCPD by the Dumas or something like that mm. and he is working towards the same goals which is um you know Galavanna's murder, the destruction of the Waynes, and maybe bringing the GCPD under um, the control of the Galavans just as much as Theo Galavan is doing with with Jim Gordon. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting little really idea interesting, and twist. So thank you so much for that, yeah. uh, Paul. Yeah. A really interesting idea. Like I, I really do love. Um, Michael Chiklis as this character in uh, in the GCPD, I think he's doing a great job. I love how, as I said earlier on in the podcast, how incredulous he is about how Gotham is as a city and how weird it is and how how crazy the villains are and the bad guys are. Um, so I'm not too sure if he's a plant from Galavan, but that could also explain maybe he is someone that sh- that's been shipped in by Galavan to replace effectively the captain that he had killed by by Jerome you know maybe that is the that is the play here uh, really interesting thoughts though Paul thanks very much for that uh, if you want to send us feedback on Twitter just obviously follow us on Defenders Cast and you can pop us a, a, a direct message and tell us your thoughts about the episodes as they go our next piece of feedback comes in from Natalie uh, she starts out with oi brutal episode only one body rest in peace officer Garrett but three body parts severed <laughs> <laughs> absolutely true didn't really mention it but obviously the other body part that's severed is in the flashback sequence uh, where the former Galavans the Dumas uh, Caleb Ca- yeah Caleb Galavan yeah, or Caleb Dumas yeah. uh, or Dumas loses an arm yeah yeah, yeah. She goes on to say, at the risk of being proven roundly wrong yet again, here are my new predictions for how the season, or at least the Galavan arc, will end. She says, in the next few episodes, Bundeslaw gives Galavan information on Wayne Enterprise's dirtiest dealings that can be confirmed and revealed. Galavan releases this in an attempt to destroy the Wayne family's vaunted reputation. Gotham and Bruce are suitably shocked, but what Galavan does not know is that Bruce has his father's files on even dirtier and more corrupt activities. Lucius should have the computer fixed in time for Thomas Files to confirm what Galavan reveals. At the end of the season, Galavan succeeds in kidnapping both Bruce and Alfred. Alfred should be safe, as the Galavans do not have a beef with the Pennyworths, only their employer, the Wayne family. Besides, someone should live to tell the tale. Sometime after Galavan's scenery-chewing villainous rant against the Waynes, (laughs) but before he successfully kills Bruce in a dark ritualistic purge Bruce's training and his natural resourcefulness will kick in note that this makes a nice bookend and contrast to when he was held hostage by Jerome in episode 3 uh, Bruce and hopefully Alfred should be able to fend off everyone until the cavalry in the form of both Penguin's goons as well as Gordon and the GCPD arrive really interesting thoughts here Natalie and by the way this is Natalie that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode thanks so much for your emails uh, just to point out this email was sent on the 21st of October, two days after the episode air. So if any of Natalie's predictions do come true, she's not being spoilery. She's not seen any further episodes. So these are her predictions and her predictions only. Uh, and I love them. Really. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, thank you, Natalie, uh, so much. I kind of hope it comes true, really. Uh, I really do. Because I, I really wondered about that as well. And we, we, we brought this up about the idea that what is in... Thomas Wayne's uh, computer. Mm-hmm. You know, does it link to something from their real distant past and, and the feud between the Waynes and the and the Dumas? Yeah, uh, is it um, that you know he's got just as much corruption on the Wayne uh, board as Bundeslaw does? So that would be a really nice way um, of, of bringing it together. Yeah, um, I really want to see how. Um, Silver St. Cloud um, is going to work into this because yeah. I think ultimately maybe she ul- will f- actually fall for, for Bruce. Maybe. Um, yeah. and, and maybe warn him or something like that. But yeah. definitely uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, Silver St. Cloud, of course, another instrument or tool of Galavan. Uh, yeah, really, really good. Thanks very much for that, Natalie. It is really nice of you to send them that email. That's the major point of your email. But you did follow up with an addendum, uh, listeners and Natalie says, I spent all that time crafting my thoughts and I forgot how to count. It's two bodies in this episode, not one. I don't know whether you can call the Pike brother who exploded a body, can you? Uh, <laughs> it's definitely not nothing left behind. It's just uh, just bits and pieces of Pike everywhere. Um, uh, Pork scratchings. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Uh, she also says, uh, you've got to love the barely legal store called The Merc. On one hand, it's ridiculous Big enough John. to fit in with the comedy stylings of Batman 66. John, got yeah. it. Nailed it on the head. Uh, on the other hand, in Gotham's noir world, it is highly telling that the proprietor has good enough business to maintain a warehouse-sized store and brand it like any other legitimate large store. Makes you wonder how much of their business is from paranoid law-abiding citizens and how much is from outright crooks like the Pikes. Thanks very much for that, Natalie. Really good for you to hear from you. Yeah, thank you so much, Natalie. And we have one final piece of feedback from our friend Daniel Butcher from Welcome to Level 7 podcast, the best podcast about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for sending these, fee- these pieces of feedback in to us while we were unable to watch the episodes. Uh, this particular piece of feedback is subject titled Episode 5, Don't Open Until 2016. So we're just opening it now directly on this podcast, reading it for the first time. John, do you want to read it? Absolutely. It says, no, seriously, don't read it. I warned you. Move along. Nothing to see. Oh, sorry. That's uh, that's his warning. Um, So, you know, he's playing clever here, Daniel. Even if we were tempted to open it, we would go straight into um, nothing. But moving on. Oh, man, I can't wait for you guys to react to what happened to Butch. Poor, poor Butch. Uh Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Is this the MCUing for Firefly? Could well be. Kind of. Uh, Yeah. Kind of. I think it's more the DCUing of Firefly. I think you're crossing the streams there, Daniel. This is the... uh, Don't cross the streams, Daniel. Don't cross the streams. (laughs) Um, Those are some rich, deep Gotham names. They could almost make a, a court wink, wink. Uh, well, these soldiers are coming, and I assume they won't be the League of Assassins. Will they be Talons? Oh, yes. Very, very interesting. Nice reference to the Court of Elves there, Daniel. Yeah, and Earth 2, Selina is an advocate for women in slavery, violent situations. Is our young Selina channeling this? That's a really good point, because she makes that point absolutely to Bridget, uh, the Firefly-to-be, um, as... We find out that she's not a true blood family member uh-huh. of the Pikes, that she is, in a sense, adopted a stepsister, and that she says it's better off to be free and lonely than in a family and a slave. So yeah. really, really good point, actually. Yeah, I kind of misread your email there, Daniel. What I what I saw was a woman who, that's Selena in Earth 2, is an advocate for slavery and violence. Uh I presume I've completely misread that, and it's uh, it's actually a person that's trying to release people from slavery and violence. So, uh, so Earth Two Selena is a really good character, not a really evil character, is basically what, what I was taking at it from from the first time I read your email. Uh, thanks very much for that feedback, Daniel. I was obviously wrong there, but yeah, yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, big time. Actually, Court of Owls. We've always wanted to have the Court of Owls come up in, in this version of Gotham. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the brothers coming across the ocean, uh, sounds very Talon-esque. Even with, uh, Brother Creel with his monk-like outfit, the mm. fact that it was hooded and he was by the fire and that whole silhouette, that kind of looked Talon-esque and the Court of Owls, you know, in the shadows. So let's hope. Uh, fingers crossed, definitely. Yeah. And I think for me, this was one of the other points of, of, of this episode that really kind of stood out is the possibility of what's coming like really really absolutely absolutely so thank you so much daniel for that feedback and thank you everybody for your feedback so far and thanks for keeping us entertained over on twitter you can follow us on twitter at defenders cast as we live tweet the episodes that are broadcast in the uk and ireland on monday nights at 10 p.m uh gmt uh, we'll live tweet over there. Just follow. It's not at- gin and tonic. <laughs> no, it's not. It's Greenwich Mean Time, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can follow us. GMT. Yes. <laughs> you can follow us at Gotham TV Podcast over on Twitter. If you want to send us in your written feedback, really good to get us. If you direct message, message us on Twitter, you can also follow us on Facebook at Gotham TV Podcast. Find our group or our page on there, uh, which we've just set up, so there's not that many people on it just yet, but uh, just find our page on there and uh, and follow it. Uh, or you can also send us feedback to feedback at Gotham TV Podcast. We, del- we love getting your feedback. We, we are delighted to be back podcasting about Gotham. And remember to subscribe and listen to the podcast and head over to gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or... As Derek said earlier, if you're a 
Android kind of a person, uh, then get over to like me, like like us, uh, then get over to a good podcast catcher such as Beyond Pod, Podcast Addict, Player FM. Search Gotham TV podcast uh, and uh, subscribe and leave a review uh, where you can. Uh, every review helps uh, us find new listeners, and um, so. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we will be here again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Share us with your friends as well. If you've enjoyed our episode of Gotham, if you've enjoyed the reviews, and if you've enjoyed the interviews we've done over the past year and a half now, uh, share us with your friends. Tell tell everybody about us. We uh, we love getting feedback, and we, we love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thanks very much for listening. And as always, the less you have, the more they're worth. Cheers to friends. Absolutely. Take care, good friends. And see you next week. That's awesome to say. Absolutely. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. She is giving off such an Eartha Kitt Catwoman vibe for me. I loved it. She really is playing the part. I'd say, you know, if you cast Catwoman again as an older... (laughs) (laughs) I love that Charlie, our cat, is in the background. I'm not going to keep that in. (laughs) Catwoman. You've got to keep that in a bit. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.